Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So I am excited to get into this. This is the second to last study in the book of Philippians as we come together this morning. Um, and at the same time, we're, we're coming together and we're, we're celebrating Palm Sunday. And yeah, the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning out of the book of Philippians is extremely fitting for this point in time. It, you know, some of you may not necessarily know what, what Palm Sunday is. And you know, Palm Sunday is the, the Sunday before Easter Sunday. And it's the day where Jesus is, is riding into... The, the city of Jerusalem, where he's coming down off the, the Mount of Olives. He's riding into the city of Jerusalem. They, they sometimes call it the triumphant entry. He's coming in, and Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, the, the Son of Man, the, the one who was there when the, the world was established. He was there when the world was shapeless and void. The one who knows each of us by name, is, is riding down this hill, not on a, a mighty stallion, not in, in some gold-encrusted chariot, but he's riding into town on a donkey, on a colt, the, the full of a donkey, the way saviors do. <laughs> and the, the people, not, not really understanding or knowing what they were, were witnessing, not really recognizing just how precious this gift was that was coming to them, began to shout, Hosanna. Began to shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they, they cut down these, these palm branches and they're, they're waving them in the streets. They're, they're putting them down in the streets for the, the donkey to ride over. They're, they're taking the coats off of their backs and they're, they're throwing them before Jesus as he rides into town. Are there times where you have a plan? There, there's times where, where we have a plan. There's times where, where we have a task list of the things that we need to get done. There's an expectation of how our day is going to go. There's an expectation. Maybe some of you were like in, in high school or like just graduating eighth grade and, and you, had this, you had the world figured out. This is exactly what my life is going to look like for the next 20 years, right? And I would wager a guess to say that in most cases, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> and if you did, we need to talk about some things because I, I would like to get what you're, what you're doing. Um, are there plan- times where you have a plan and that plan doesn't work out? Are there times where you have expectations that aren't met? The people of Israel, the people that are in the street waving these palm branches, that are in the street throwing their, their literal garments of praise, they're, they're throwing their coats in, in front of Jesus. They had a, a plan. They had a very specific expectation of how things were going to work out over the next few days, that Jesus was coming to rescue them. About 700 years before Jesus ever came into the picture, as far as these people were concerned, there was a prophet, and his name was Isaiah, and he had a very specific message 
that he, he gave the people. And, and this message was this, that for us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. David's throne is in Jerusalem. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish it. And to these people, these people that are shouting on the side of the street, this is happening. This is it. Jesus is coming. He's going to take back the throne of David from the Roman government that is occupying our nation. We are going to be God's people again. We are going to to become that, that nation that God had called us to be ever so long ago. This is what they were expecting. There's a, a good, there's good news for us to see this morning. That God loves us too much to allow our expectations to get in the way of his best for us. God loves us too much to allow our expectations to get in the way of his best and highest good for our lives. What if, what if, their expectations, their idea of how the day should go was the right one? What if that was what was going to happen and Jesus came and he, he just established his throne right then and there? What, what does that mean? If, if Jesus establishes his throne right there and, and the cross never happens, the, the tomb never happens. The resurrection never happens. The ascension from earth into heaven never happens. What does that mean for us? See, they were, they were very much focused on the, the today, on the right now. And yet God has an eternal perspective. As Jesus is riding into the city, as he's going into town he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's been called to do. He, he knows that the same people that are, are shouting Hosanna, the same people that are throwing their, their palm branches in front of him, the same people that are taking their coats off for him to walk on, are the same people that are going to be shouting crucify him in six days. And he doesn't just have like an inkling of an idea about it. He knows specifically. What does it take to be able to stay on a donkey riding to a cross? What does it take to find joy in the midst of that journey? that's what we're talking about this morning, right? This is what we've been talking about the past, goodness, I don't know, I, I guess I'm on part 13. So um, you guys have been troopers here. Um, 13 weeks of finding everyday joy, 
recognizing that there is, there is joy in the midst of difficulty. There is joy in the midst of hardship, not happiness, joy. This morning, we're going to be looking at one of the most quoted and, and possibly one of the misquote, most misquoted passages in the entire Bible. In fact, I would wager to say that, that most of you probably have a portion of this memorized. If I say, I can do all things through, thank you. Okay, man, I was like, oh man, we're, this is not good. <laughs> you all need to come to Sunday school. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The problem is that's only verse 13. We've talked a lot about context in this study. It it matters what, what comes before and what comes after. And if we look at Philippians 4.10, we're gonna see a little bit more. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, but now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I'm going to say that again. In whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When we start looking at at all of that that verse, you kind of start wondering, maybe there's more to this verse than what we see quoted on the football field before the team goes out to play. You see that, that college student who hasn't cracked a book for their entire term, and the, the night before their final, they're saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as they're trying to study for that test. if we take a closer look, we begin to see that that maybe, just maybe, we're missing the point. Christ's strength in my life starts to look a little bit less like my own victory and a little bit more like me being content to live where God's placed me. So maybe it's, I can do all things through Christ who contents me. If Paul could do anything that Christ strengthened him to do, why was he in jail? I mean, if, if this really is the, the all-powerful, you know, we get to just throw down the lightning bolt card and, and whatever we want happens... Then, then why is he stuck in a prison cell for preaching the gospel? Wait, so, so that's not what it is? That's, that's disappointing. I mean, can you imagine 
So we have this, this sporting event, let's call it a football game. So this one side has, has said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God's like, well, they're going to win because they just used the Bible verse. And, but then the other team says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we have two teams that are using the Bible verse. And God's up there like, oh my goodness, I have no idea what we're going to do now. What Paul is saying is that I can stay in prison unjustly, not because I want to, but because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ who contents me. Jesus is not a means to what you want but he's an answer to our needs. We sing those songs over and over again that Jesus is enough, that his grace is enough. He is all you need. How can I be content? That's, that's the question, right? Is how, how do we learn to be content where we are today? Because in that contentment, in that, that rest of understanding that I, I don't need to rely on my own best efforts, I get to rely on a God who has already won the battle. If I'm going to be content, what do I need to do? one of the, the first ways that we can learn to be content is to recognize God's provision. And sometimes when you are in the midst of a pressing need, it is hard to see just how God is going to come through. The saying that, that hindsight is twenty twenty is very applicable here because it may be hard in the moment to see where God is going to be faithful, where God is going to to provide in the ways that you're expecting him to. But if you look back, and I can tell you from personal experiences, I look back at my life at the times where I was in need and the times where I needed healing, the times where I needed provision. If I look back at those things, I can tell you time after time after time, God was faithful. And next week, we're going to be doing our, our next batch of seven-minute Sunday uh, teachings where people are going to be sharing about the things that God is, is doing in their life. And it's when we stop and we look back at, at people's testimony that where they're, they're sharing what God has done, we begin to recognize that God has had a plan from the very beginning. And that plan didn't start with you. That plan didn't even start with Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. That plan started before the foundations of the earth. When we sing that song, The Blessing, we sing those words that says, The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. the very fact that you are still here is because the Lord has kept you. How can I be content? I can be content when I look and see the generosity of other people. And these verses, we see that Paul's writing this letter. He's writing a letter to the, the church in Philippi, and he's, he's writing to them saying that he's able to be content 
Not just because God has been faithful in the midst of this situation, but because the church has been faithful. Compassionate concern from the the followers of Christ meets legitimate needs of people. What if the church just didn't care about anybody else? We don't need to do a a food pantry. We don't need to worry about feeding kids. We don't need to worry about sending money to to missionaries overseas. We don't don't need to, to worry about helping people that are less fortunate than us. That's just for suckers. What? Why, why, why do we do the things that we do? We, we have a heart for people. We have a heart for people that are hurting because God has a heart for people that are hurting. How do we know how to be content? We look at, we have the experience of God's provision. We, we have this experience of other people's generosity, but then we have those life experiences. In, in the verses that we just read, Paul talks about he knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to have a full stomach, to have the, the meal that he wants to have. But in the midst of that uncertainty, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. It's interesting to note that you can be discontent and be the richest person in the world. And I mean, you just have to look at the headlines to see it, to see the, the damage that people do to their lives out of, out of this desire to try and fill a hole that, that all of the money in the world can't fill, that any substance that they, they try to put in themselves can't fill. They are, are completely at a loss for what it is that they need to do in order to be content. Some of the most nervous and unsure people are people that have more money than you and I would know what to do with. has nothing to do with how much or how little you have, but everything to do with what you do with it. Where do I put my hope? Where do I put my trust? If we ask the question, how much is enough? It's so easy for that line to move. Even if, if you're able to, to somehow arrive at a spot of, yeah, this, this is just as much as I need. This, this is what I need right here. And then once you get to that point, inevitably there's something else that comes up that says, well, well if I just had this, then, then at that point, that's all I would need. I will be content in every circumstance because he is enough. There's a, a very important perspective that we need to have when we're looking at this verse this morning. And, and it goes back to that maybe incorrect application that we, we use sometimes. This verse does not say that I get to win 
because of Christ who strengthens me. Wouldn't it be great if it did, though? Wouldn't it be great if it said, I can win anything because of Christ who strengthens me? Wouldn't that just feel great? Now, what this verse is saying is that win or lose, I will be content. I will, I will find my strength outside of the result of the, the circumstance that I find myself in. And instead rest in the provision of Jesus Christ. One of the, the most telling signs of a, a believer of Christ is contentment. Not achievement. kind of raises the question, how do we, how do we react when we lose? If, if this means that, that just because I said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, if, if that means that I, I don't automatically win, then how am I supposed to react when I don't win? <laughs> it means that we're supposed to adapt. We're supposed to recognize, I can guarantee you, Paul wasn't like, hey, I have a plan that involves me sitting in a jail cell. This is going to be great. No. That was not the the plan that Paul had envisioned for his life, but he recognized, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and so I will be content in the midst of this circumstance. I will adapt and say, yeah, I didn't win this time around. And anybody who calls sitting in a jail cell for something that they didn't do, being imprisoned unjustly, Winning needs to maybe adjust their paradigm a little bit. But being content helps you become adaptable. And when you become adaptable, you become available. And when you're available, that's when God is, is ready to use you. And it, it, he can use you because you are available. And so in the midst of being in a prison cell, we get the the letter that Paul wrote to the the church in Philippi that has been resounding throughout the church from that point on. We get the the ministry that Paul was able to conduct to all of the the Roman guards that were in that, that prison at that time. All of these different things come about that that Paul never had as part of his plan because he was willing to be content. And so we, we come back full circle to Jesus of Nazareth as he's entering into the city on this donkey and the people are shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, the, the king of kings is here to save us. We know that the Holy Spirit's not bound by, by space, he's not bound by time. What if, this is, creative license here. Go with me. What if Jesus is riding into town and under his breath he's saying, in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound and in every circumstance I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
I mean, we, we know that Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He, he, or th- th- there was a part of him that was, it was saying, God, if there's another way, take this cup from me. But he was willing. He, he was available. I'm to be content in all things because his Father in heaven is on his throne. I can do all things because Jesus is enough. Because what Jesus Christ did on that day, when he rode into that that city, because what he did on the cross, because when he rose from the dead on the third day and he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God, because of those things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things because he has been there. In the midst of my circumstance, in the midst of my need, he has been there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you and we come this morning and we proclaim that you are enough. In every circumstance, I will be content, God. Lord, as we, we come to this place and we look for everyday joy, we, we are seeking you for that, God. You are the source of that everyday joy. Joy in the midst of hardship, joy in the midst of impossible situations. God, we can do all, three, all things through you who content us. Lord, as we prepare to go out into our workplaces, as we prepare to go out to our families, into the the different relationships that you have, have called us to, God, we ask that you would, would use our lives, that you would use who we are as a testimony of who you are and what you've done in our lives. And God, sometimes those testimonies are, are not the, the plans that we have. They're not the, the expectations that we have. God, we thank you that in the midst of our missed expectations, our, our incorrect expectations, you are sovereign. You are on your throne. And you love us too much to allow those expectations to get in the way. God, as we move to our ministry time this morning, I ask that you would would just minister to the people that are here, God, and whatever need may exist. God, if there's needs for provision, we ask that you would meet those needs. If there's needs for healing, we, we come together and we agree that you are faithful and able to heal. God, that you are mighty to save. But as we join with one another and and expecting you to show up and to, to move in these, these situations. Lord, we, we thank you for that healing blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out on the cross. It's made available for all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 